Hello and welcome back to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today I'll be chatting with Fox Sports analyst Chris Broussard. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, with the guys like us. And today I'll be chatting with Chris Broussard. Many of you may know Chris as a Fox Sports analyst by profession, and many of you may not know that he is a disciple of Christ by creation. He shares a powerful word and message with us this morning. He d- digs a bit deeper into his faith experience at the age of 20, becoming a follower of Christ. We talk about culture and society and our call for something greater, our call to follow God's agenda and his plan. We discuss the King Movement on an organization that wants to strengthen men in their daily walks with Christ. Chris is the the president of the King Movement and shares a bit more about their upcoming summit in April. We hear all of this and so much more in this episode. I'm going to leave it brief because I want you guys to tune in and hear it from Chris himself and our discussion. So let me turn it on over to our conversation now. Hello, this is Tyler Brondike, and this is the Guys Like Us podcast. Today, I am joined with Chris Broussard. He is an American sports analyst right now for Fox Sports. So Chris, thanks so much for joining today. Hey, it's my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to talking with you guys. Absolutely. So how I, I like to kick us off is just by opening up in prayer. So I'd love to just open us up now, and then um, at the end of the podcast, I'm just going to have you close us out in prayer. Does that sound good? Yeah, that'll work. Excellent. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing Chris and I together today. Uh, extremely excited to have a, have this conversation with him um, just knowing that you'll be pouring into both of us uh, throughout and hearing more about his story and how how you've been an incredibly important part um, in this journey and how you'll continue to to be a part of this journey as well and and just so many blessings that you've that you've put on on Chris um, and for the audience I, I I pray that that folks today will have an opportunity to draw out something even. The, the smallest thing that, that they can bring home with them, um, and then we'll just uh, glorify, glorify your name a bit further. So with this, I pray. Amen. 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 So uh, to get things started, I, I always like to, kind of like to go back and, and just hear more about your upbringings in, in Christian faith and, and really when, when it came into the picture. Um, has has this, has your Christian faith always been something that has been really the backbone of, of who you are? No, I'll uh, I'll give you the short version. Uh, but I was raised Catholic. Uh, grew up in a, a good family, good middle class family. Parents, uh, both parents together. My parents have been married, in fact, for fifty two years. And um, so I grew up going to church every Sunday, went to Catholic schools from second grade uh, on through high school. So I was taught a lot of religious things, the Ten Commandments, taught a lot of stories about Jesus, but never had any notion of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
knew nothing about biblical Christianity, never read the Bible. Um, and because I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ, my life was, you know, I was getting involved in a lot of sins that young people do, uh, sexual immorality, getting drunk, um, foul language. Uh, in my college fraternity, I was involved in hazing pledges and things like that. So not a bad guy, not a gangster, not a, it wasn't in draw ball with drugs or anything like that, but, um, just caught up in, you know, an everyday sinful life. Um, I got good grades, was a good student, went to Oberlin college, did well in school. Um, and my sophomore year, I began dating a woman who was a Christian. And as we get, began dating, got to know each other, she was really the first uh, person I was really close with who exposed me to biblical Christianity. And so she would want to pray, so we would pray. And um, <clears throat> she would pray. I noticed that when she prayed, it was like she was praying to somebody she knew. Like she was praying to a friend or a father or someone she had a relationship with. And me, all I could do was say memorized prayers that I've been taught in Catholic school. Our Father, Lord, heaven, hallowed be thy name. No merits of the grace of the Lord is with thee, bless our all, all these memorized prayers. So that was one of the first things that struck me. And, you know, I let her, I liked her. So I, would, I went to Bible study with her and, you know, uh, things like that. So I was being exposed to Christ uh, without really knowing it. And one time after dating for about a year, a year, we went to a church. Uh, it was kind of a non-denominational, kind of charismatic church. And people were praising God and very excited about the Lord. And, you know, just I had never really seen anything like that. I never saw people excited and, and really happy to be in church. I was used to very solemn masses uh, in the Catholic faith. And uh, the minister, it was a guest minister that day, and he spoke about uh, his life. He had been a drug addict as a teenager and gave his life to Christ uh, and was delivered from heroin addiction and, and other drugs. And uh, his life was just changed and turned around. And it was something about his message that really resonated with me. And that was the first time that I really remember being convicted of sin and really realizing that I was a sinner and that my lifestyle was not pleasing to God. And, and if I died, that I would have to suffer the consequences of my decisions to, to live in sin. And so... Uh, the pastor was giving the altar call, and I really felt like everybody in that church was looking at me and saying, you need to go down and get saved. You're not right with God and all that. <laughs> yep. But uh, I didn't. I didn't want to go down. I didn't want to be a Christian, to be honest. I didn't want to be live a Christian lifestyle. Um, and so I didn't go down. And um, But leaving church that day, I really knew that I needed to get saved, so to speak, and need to give my life to Christ. Um, so I went, you know, I was in college, and I was still out there kind of doing my thing. And, um, that summer was after my junior year in high school or college, and I had a summer internship at the Cleveland Plain Dealer newspaper. It was the biggest newspaper in Ohio. I was a sports writer and uh, did well that summer, and the Plain Dealer told me they would hire me when I graduated. And so uh, 
that was tremendous. You can imagine mm. going into your senior year knowing that you've got a job, a, a good job, a well-paying job, a fun job. Um, that was just tremendous. It was like I felt like I had the American dream right in the palm of my hand. And for me, that was significant because I was really raised, like many of us, I guess, to believe that the whole kind of meaning of life was to get the American dream. You know, you go to school, you do well in school, you get good grades, you can go to a good college. So you can, you know, you go do well in college so you can get a good job and live the American dream. And so now that I kind of had that within my grasp, uh, soon thereafter, a few days, a week or so, I really began to have this overwhelming sense of, is this it? Is this all that life is about? You know, um, there has to be more to life than this. And I really began feeling empty and, and, and miserable because when you have so much going for you, and I had a lot going for me, a uh, girlfriend I loved, good promise of a good job, co-captain on the basketball team in college, like really everything was going well, but you, you feel you're unsatisfied, you're discontent. Uh, that can be a scary, frightening feeling. And uh, I knew it was God because, I, like I said, I had been convicted of my sin. I knew I needed to give my life to Christ, but I didn't want to. And so uh, that summer, toward the end of the summer, still feeling miserable, feeling empty, I tried to make a deal with God where I said, uh, God, look, I know I need to give my life to you, but just let me have the first semester of my senior year and I go out, sow all my wild oats and have all the fun I want to have. And then in January, I'll give my life to Christ. And in my mind, God was like, all right, cool. Go ahead. You know, I know God really wasn't saying that now, but back then that's what I thought. So I went up to college and just, you know, was trying to do the same stuff, partying and, getting involved in a lot of negative things and uh, it just really wasn't the same and I still felt empty and inside and I remember looking at different things it's amazing what God would use I saw a movie with Elvis Presley about Elvis Presley and it was his life story and, and I just saw how man this guy had everything you could want he had all the fame all the money all the beautiful women he could want every man's dream and yet he was miserable and he tried to fill that void of emptiness and pain that he had in his life uh, with drugs. And obviously drugs had a part to do in his death. And so that really, you know, was showing me because I was looking for loopholes. Like I was looking for a way to fill that void with something other than God. And uh, there I'm starting to see there was nothing, you know other than God that could fill that void. So my 21st birthday, which was in October, uh, October 28th, that year, my senior year of college, my parents were going to, and uh, before we went out to dinner, my dad and I went on to run some errands, and I was asking him questions like, you know, what, I said, what keeps you going in life? You know, once you have your kids in college, and they're doing well, and you have a nice house and you have a nice job, nice cars. Like what, what keeps you motivated? 
And uh, he was like, well, you know, you want to get a bigger house or you want to make more money or you want to buy a nicer car. You want to send your kids to a great school or you want to even make money to help other people. Like everything he was saying, it wasn't necessarily bad. But I knew, I was like, that's not going to fill this void that I'm feeling in my heart. And so that night, um, instead of making a wish over my cake, that's when I prayed to myself. Uh, I repented for my sins and and gave my life to Christ and asked uh, the Holy Spirit to come into my heart and and live inside of me and accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And that's really uh, when I became a Christian. And that was 28 years ago. And uh, you've had you have your challenges and struggles, but never for one moment have I ever regretted giving my life to Christ. So that's that's kind of how my spiritual journey unfolded. Thank you for that, and that's uh, that's a powerful, powerful testimony, and and it it resonates strongly with me too because it it sounds like it was a process. It wasn't just this this overnight. Okay, well, you know, I'm gonna go go to church, you know, uh, go to church, uh, go up to the altar, confess my sins, and and just say, all right, you know, I, I want to be saved by you know saved by the Lord now, and say, and and I, I accept Jesus as my savior. You know, I, I as you mentioned, you had this you had this idea that 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 was what that was what was destined for you and you knew that this was the way to go but it sounded like you 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 wrestled with a lot of these these challenging or this life that you wanted to live because you had you had things lined up for you you had you know your senior year lined up for you um and then you had i i didn't want to repent i mean that that's really what it boiled down to you know uh and i think a lot of people fall into a trap of thinking they're accepting Christ without repenting, you know, and, and clearly the Bible makes it clear that repentance is the first step to salvation. Jesus, the first words of his public ministry were repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. When Peter preached to the Jews on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two, they Mm -hmm. said, what should we do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I didn't want to repent. I knew I didn't have to be perfect. I wasn't going to be perfect overnight. I didn't have to be perfect Mm. to be a Christian. But I I didn't want to, like, try to live for God. I didn't want to stop living in sin or even try to stop living in sin. I didn't want to give up fornication. I didn't want to give up getting drunk. I didn't want to give up, you know, hazing pledge. I didn't want to give up or be different from everybody that was in college or most, you know, most people that were my friends and people I hung with and and all that stuff. And so I I didn't, that's what kept me from giving my life to Christ when I did not want to repent. And really God just broke me down to the, to where I had a choice. I could continue running from God uh, and be miserable, or I could give my life to Christ and find some peace and some joy. And that's what I did. You know, the Bible says that the sin and the desires of the flesh war against our souls. And that's what I was feeling. I was in sin. And that was creating war within my soul. And so that's why I didn't have any peace, any joy, 
any fulfillment. And so once I gave my life to Christ and was set free from sin, then that's when I could have peace with God and peace within myself. Uh, so that's really what it boiled down to. I, I mean, I wasn't under any impression that I couldn't reach my desires as being a journalist or that I could not go on with my career goals. I did not want to repent. And I've spoken with people who were going through various struggles and challenges in their life. And in their telling me their story, I could see that a lot of it was just related to their sinful decisions. Like they, they were doing things that were sins and those things were causing them turmoil and strife. And I would start to bring up the Lord and bring up giving your life to Christ and how that could really help you and make you feel better and so on and so forth. And they, some people have told me, well, I did that. I, I gave my life to Christ. When it was evident, they did. They never had repented. They just maybe were invited to heaven. You know, if, if you're not sure if you die tomorrow, if you would go to heaven, then accept Jesus. That's not the gospel. The gospel is repent and give your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then you'll be saved. And so I do, like I said, a lot of people uh, will pray a sinner's prayer or, you know, be coerced into saying they've given their life to Christ, but they've never repented. I'm not have to go over a checklist of your sins and, you know, all of that, say, I'll never do this again, I'll never do that again. But repentance is just letting Jesus be the Lord of your life. See, I was the Lord of my life. For the first 20 years of my life, Chris Broussard was Lord. Mm. I did what I wanted to do. I, you know, didn't worry about what God wanted me to do. I did what I wanted to do. And repentance is give, not, you know, giving, like, getting rid of yourself as Lord or whoever else would be, might be your Lord and letting Jesus Christ be your Lord. And so that, that's what I was battling with for about five or six months. And then when I, uh, like I said, when God broke me down, that's when I repented and gave my life to him. And that's that's why my salvation has been real. And that's why I've been able to withstand the challenges, the doubts, uh, the, and things that have come my way. Because I know the experience that I had with God. And nobody can really convince me otherwise. Mm. What was was your girl um, was your girlfriend at the time or anybody that was close to you um, trying to pour into you into into that direction to to make that decision you know a bit quicker or was this was this something that you're you're like you know I know that this is my this is kind of my personal journey and I I I, I gotta find this out on my own and I gotta do this on my own. Well, the, the story ended well. Uh, the girlfriend became my wife. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we've okay. been married for 22 years, and we have two daughters, twin girls, who are both in college. One's at University of Pennsylvania, one's at uh, University of Michigan, and so they're both doing well. So God is blessed, and it's, it's a happy ending. But um, at that time, no, I don't, I don't think, certainly bearing it with anybody. You know, I, I was putting up a good front. Like, on the outside, you wouldn't have been able to tell 
and I was having these questions, these doubts, um, these struggles. Um, so I really wasn't sharing it with her. Of course, she wanted me to become a Christian. Mm. You know, she knew that was important. She was praying for me. It, I didn't even know at the time that she was praying for me. She was writing about me in her journal and all that. And that I'm sure that played a big part in my eventually coming to Christ. Um, but, and, and I will say this, think that there were, I don't think we would have been together if I had not become a Christian, not because she would have imposed some ultimatum, like you either become a Christian or we, we can't make it. But just because I think, you know, we were going in two different directions and it was beginning to, I think she was beginning to get frustrated with it. And, um, I think it was just, beginning to lead to some issues and challenges in our relationship that eventually would have ended the relationship. Mm. Mm. Um, that was not in my thinking when I gave my life to Christ, but when I look back and see some of the, the things that were beginning to happen over those last few months, uh, I, I do think that I, I, there's no doubt in my mind. I don't think we would have been together if I had never given my life to Christ. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think it's important to be proactive then on, on your own, but may, do you think that if you had been more open or had been more vulnerable then that would, that would have maybe changed how that, you know, those few years went in between, you know, before you, you know, turn 21 and, and would you recommend people sharing their story or, or being, being more open about what they're going through? Because I, I think it it's tough because we we find that this is something that's so personal personal um, personal but then also I I mean you know church lives on community too so want to yeah. hear your thoughts on that? Well, like I said, I wasn't raised in what you might call Bible believing or Bible based church, yep. so I knew nothing about that. Um, I was raised Catholic, and it was very religious. Um, very structured, but never, you know, I, I didn't know anybody that was really talking about the Lord and in a way that it impacted their lifestyle. And all the people I went to church with, we were getting drunk every weekend. Mm. You know, we were chasing girls and, you know, doing sinful things. Yep. So yep. there was really no, nobody, I ain't, man, come on, I'm 20 years old in yep. college. I mean, I ain't opened it up. You know, I'm somewhat of a private person in general, but I just, that never even crossed my mind yep. that let me open up to this guy or this, you know, person about how I'm feeling about God. Um, I do, of course, wish I had gotten, become a Christian earlier in life because, uh, you know, years of living in sin and Look, I was 21 when I got saved, so I, I I only did so much. But still, years of living in sin, you accumulate baggage. Mm. You know, relationships you have, experiences you have because of sin. Uh, there are things that you can accumulate fears, insecurities that you may not have had as you known the Lord um, and known the truth. 
sometimes you still battle with those and have to overcome those as you're a Christian. And so a lot of Christians who grow up in a Christian household and, you know, who really don't get involved in a lot of negativity, um, they don't even understand. Sometimes they may even wish they could have could have been out there and experienced this or that or, yep. or done this or that, yep. and they may want to, and some do. But those that don't, they don't even un- understand what they've been protected and shielded from. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 84, the Lord is a sun and a shield. And so when you're in Christ, you're protected from certain negative things. You're protected from experiencing certain negative things that general sinners in out in the world they go through and even though you might think oh, oh it looks fun i wish i could do that you don't know the heartache and the pain that people are being you know exposed to and experiencing so you know i don't think young christians understand that and may not appreciate the fact that okay yeah you didn't have these all these wild experiences that other people had and you you may not have even had this radical conversion that you know someone who was a real raucous sinner had you know when they came to christ but you also were protected from baggage uh that you didn't have to deal with or and won't have to deal with going forward that that person may still have to deal with and overcome and things like that yeah yeah no that, that, that's a really good point and I, I you're completely right I feel like people think that you know this this radical uh, this radical coming to, to Christ is I mean obviously it's really powerful but I, I think you know I was just speaking to one of my friends recently and he said you know if I, I wish that I you know I, I hadn't have uh, this, this is somebody who had this you know, was, wasn't to partying, was, but like, you know, wasn't to drinking, smoking, everything. And he, and he came and he told me, he said, I wish I, I hadn't have had that. And I think that that points to the same reason, just what you were saying there, that there's this baggage that comes along with it and, and that yeah, you're protected. No and, and I never thought about that. I always thought it was so much cooler or so much. And I think this is, and it's not just me. I think people think it's, it's so much it's so much better if you have this this really radical story, you know. But I, yeah, I well, some some Christians, God bless them, but some Christians brag. They like to brag, humble brag about <laughs> oh, what yeah. they used to do. You yep, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, I had all the women, I was out there like crazy. <laughs> I was just wild, you know. And, and typically, they probably embellish a little bit. You know? <laughs> but um, yep. but you're right. I mean, that like I had this major conversion, but. You know, a lot of times, a lot of those experiences, people still struggle. I mean, I, I've talked to men who they slept with dozens of women or more, hundreds of women, some have told me, and they got married, they got saved eventually, and sometimes they have trouble being satisfied with their wife sexually yep. because they've had all these other experiences. They have all these mental images you know what I mean? In their head. And obviously God can deliver you from that and will deliver you from that. Mm-hmm. But it can be a challenge that you have to overcome. You know, whereas the, the person who grows up and does it God's way, 
and waits until they're married to be with that one person sexually, they're not going to have that baggage. You know, yep. that's just one example. I yeah. mean, there, are, there are numbers of examples we could bring up. Because um, because your your experiences they, they definitely affect you as a person, right? So I mean, if that if that was an experience that you had, and you know, if if you were somebody who was sleeping around and had those experiences, as you mentioned, he will deliver you from it. You know, from if you if you ask and if you if you call on him and pray about it, but but it, you're you're not gonna have that baggage. It's not gonna it's not gonna be something yeah. that is gonna be a big challenge for you. Um, yeah. So I, I want to, to shift into something that, uh, that, you, that you spoke on, um, and I think it's the social constructs and being, especially as yourself, being an athlete, you know, back at, at Oberlin and, and, and playing sports there, and as you mentioned, it's not like, you don't want to be open about what, like what, what you're going through, because you have this image to, this image this, of, the, you know, of the athlete, and this is something that I felt, and a lot of folks I've talked to have felt that that as an athlete you have to kind of put on this show and and kind of do as the athletes do and a lot of that was partying drinking um and i think this is something that that kind of translates into every every space that you're in every world that you're in so i i want to i want to kind of fast forward and and talk about how your experience has been being a christian in in the sports world you know at espn and now at fox sports um has it been challenging making your Christian beliefs known, and and then on that, how do we maintain our faith in the workplace, and the, you know, or, and even on the gym or in the field on the court? Yeah, I think I mean I've I've had the same challenges that I think all Christians, all people really trying to live for Christ will have in this world, mm. which is you're you're often around people who aren't believers. Um, and you're around people who don't understand your lifestyle and don't live the same lifestyle as you do. Now, when you're in the public sphere, whether it's as an athlete or me being on television, you know, I think you, you, the temptations, you know, you, you just, you may get opportunities. You may get more opportunities than the average person. But the challenges are ultimately the same. Um, and mm. I just think it's a matter of really being rooted in Christ. Um, and I really haven't, you know, it, for me, as far as speaking up in the world, and you know, all my heroes were bold. And I mean, first of all, God tells us to be bold. Jesus, you know, Paul prayed for boldness. Mm. Jesus was bold. Jesus said, don't be afraid, you know, and don't be ashamed of me. That's number one. And then when I look at a lot of my heroes, Frederick Douglass, Sojourner Truth, you know, Martin Luther King, Mm. they were bold and they spoke out for God and for what they believed was right. And these are people that I've read about and admired. And so I have felt like I'm being hypocritical if I'm not bold, (laughs) if I'm afraid. You know, how can I say I really love Frederick Douglass and, you know, and I'm trying to be like Jesus Christ, but I'm afraid to 
speak my mind or represent him or, you know, say what I believe in. And so uh, that's really been one of the sources of my ability to speak out and not hide my faith. Um, is trying to be like Jesus and the men in the Bible and then other men since the Bible who I really respect and admire. So I think it's important for us today as Christians, particularly men, to be bold, not abrasive, not arrogant. You know, um, you, you see me on TV. I don't throw the Bible in people's face and I don't talk about God all on television and stuff. Um, we're talking about sports, you know, but when given an opportunity, as the Bible says, when the door is open, um, I'm ready to share or, you know, and my lifestyle is just evident. And so, uh, I think we as men need to do, we need to be cognizant of doing that because Christians need to see examples out there, especially now when this country is really uh, becoming more and more, uh, I guess, against biblical values and a lot of Christian morality. The country is going more and more against that. So Christians need to see men and women that they admire and that are successful standing up for their faith in Christ and saying that God is the right reason that I'm the person that I am. The things you admire about me, God has made those things possible and God is the source of those things. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to, uh, we really need to do that. Absolutely. And then that's something I want to touch on as well. And I, I know that you've been, you know, outside of what you do and you're, you know, quote unquote, yeah, I guess sports, you know, sports, sports career, you're, you're also involved in KING. Um, so I, I wanted to just learn a bit more about what that, what the, what the mission is of this organization. Then just kind of talk us through a, you know, a quick, a quick explanation of what you guys do. Yeah, it's, uh, it's called the King Movement. And King is an acronym that stands for knowledge, inspiration, nurture, and nurture through God. Hmm. And it's really a Christian men's movement. Uh, Christian Brotherhood. Uh, when I became a Christian, I was 21 years old, as I said, and I didn't have, I didn't know a lot of men my age that I could relate to in terms of music, culture, sports, whatever, who were Christians, yep. who also were oh, yeah. serving the Lord. Most of the men at the church, and it wasn't a big church that I was at, but they were older. You know, and I began, I kind of longed for that brotherhood, like other Christian men that I could relate to in other ways, guys that I could hang out with, go to the sports bar with and watch games with, but who were also Christian, you know, who weren't going to be tempting me or pushing me to go against my biblical values, you know, but we could have a good time hanging out and they, you know, they wouldn't push me against my beliefs. They were supporting my beliefs. Um, and so as I began to meet other men my age that were Christians, I kind of saw that there were a lot of brothers that were longing for the same thing. And so that was really the impetus for me to want to start something like the King Movement. 
And uh, it really is, like I said, an organization that wants to strengthen men in their daily walks with Christ, Monday through Saturday, mm. by providing them with the support, the encouragement, the teaching, the accountability, and the fellowship or brotherhood that we need to live for Christ on a daily basis. I mean, it's easy, of course, sitting in church on a Sunday, you know, we're Christian, but how is our, is our faith being lived out in our marriage, in our relationships with our children, in the workplace, on our college campuses, in our fraternities, wherever we might be, is our faith being lived out in those arenas? And that's really what we hope to do with King because a lot of men, even like good Christian men, I've seen that a lot of men's faith walk is almost like a roller coaster. It's up and it's down. It's up and it's down. It's up and it's down. And when you're in one of those down periods, you could do something that ruins your life. You, you could go in a down period and ruin your marriage or your relationship with your children or your witness. And we've seen it, whether it's Christian men or non-Christian men. I mean, look at some of the scandals that these men and people have become involved in that have ruined their lives or their image. A lot of, they work decades to build a certain image and be a success. And now it can be ruined. And even some men who proclaim Christ have been in that those situations. So King, we hope to really provide the brotherhood for, for men to keep your walk steady and mm. to live in the victory that Christ gave us. We believe in victory. I mean, I believe Jesus, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I'm telling you these things so that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You know, like Paul said, the kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness. Like, I really believe as Christians, we should walk in victory. You know, I'm mm. not talking about being rich. I mean, that you may or may not be that. I'm not talking about being the greatest success in America. You may or may not be that. But I'm talking about a steady walk where you have joy and you have peace and you live righteously. That's a steady walk. And that's what we should have as Christians because God empowers us to do that through the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so that's what King is all about. We have chapters. We have about 12 chapters throughout the country. Uh, we're growing. And we actually, every April, we have a summit, a national summit, where men come from throughout the country. And this year, or next year, April 2018, uh, our summit is in Memphis, Tennessee. So I don't know if any of your listeners are in that region of the country, but we would love for you know men to come out. Uh, we're actually doing it in Memphis to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther mm -hmm. King. And um, we're going to have a great, you know, great enough group of speakers. Daryl Strawberry, the oh, great, yeah. a former baseball player. He's going to be a, a keynote speaker, um, sharing his testimony. Oh, yes. And, um, yeah, we're going to have a basketball tournament, citywide basketball tournament. Penny Hardaway, Lionel yeah. Hollins, the former coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, they're co-hosting the tournament with me. We're going to have a panel discussion about developing and cultivating racial unity 
within the body of Christ so that black and white and Asian and Hispanic and Christians of all different ethnicities are can try to be unified, <laughs> yep. you know, yep. uh, and that's a big problem in our country and in the church, unfortunately. Yep. And so it's going to be a very uh, powerful conference. So, again, any of your listeners will have more information on it as, as time goes on, but kingmovement.com is where you can visit our website and eventually there'll be information up there about this summit. Mm, awesome, awesome. Uh, and I'll pass that along and I, I, I've personally already subscribed to the to the newsletter, so I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to getting some more information on that myself. Um, but as as you mentioned, um, you know being victorious and, and wearing the full armor of, of God and of, and of Christ, um, what are what are some ways that 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 you know that you practice and that you believe that you can hold yourself and hold each other's accountable in that day-to-day walk? Well, like with King, one thing we do is, you know, you have other men that you are accountable to. And not as a rule, you know, we don't have any rule. Like you have to talk to somebody once a week and Hmm. tell them your sins or things you're struggling with, nothing like that. But just, you know, it just in in the brotherhood, accountability comes organically, you know. Okay. Um, And then you have men there who can encourage you. So our meetings, we meet once a month as a chapter, or our various local chapters meet once a month. And a lot of our meetings are just real talk, you know, Mm. issues men may be struggling with, um, pornography or alcohol, whatever it may be, different doubts um, and challenges men are going through. And men will just share some of their experiences, some scriptures, we'll pray, you know, but that accountability helps. We, We typically have a prayer partner. That we rotate, but we'll pray with one prayer partner once a week. And, you know, a lot of it, we're just talking, getting to know each other, talking about our families and, and our lives, and then we pray for each other. So they, that helps. But obviously, um, you know, this is the thing about being a Christian. Like, you have to know God and follow God for yourself. Like, I can't, especially me, I travel a lot. You know, I'm, I'm travel a lot on weekends. My whole career, I've been going to NBA games, and I'm gone a lot of Sundays. And if my faith was only built on what the pastor says or built on the pastor, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be able to survive on the road when I'm in the hotels and I'm gone for several days or, or weeks at a time from my wife and my family. So what has strengthened me in those times is that I know the Lord for myself and I study the Bible myself. I study devotionals myself. I read Christian books that enhance my faith for myself. And so I would encourage a lot of times we get caught up into spectator Christianity where we just we go every Sunday and we listen to the pastor talk about his faith and we don't do anything ourselves. And we expect that one hour on Sunday to be enough spiritual fuel to lead us through a week where everything that's coming our way is against what we heard on Sunday. And so I would encourage Christians to, you know, get into the Bible yourself. 
and study the word yourself uh, because that's what's going to strengthen you in your times of temptation and your times of struggle uh, is knowing the word for yourself. Um, obviously, prayer. I think fasting, too. Fasting should be a lifestyle. Um, you know, you should fast regularly. Uh, memorize scripture. I think that's very important because the, the scripture is true. You know, it's just like the Constitution. You know, if I know the laws of America and somebody wants to abuse me and, and, and lie about those laws, they can't if I know the law. You know, and it's the same thing in the kingdom of God. The law, the constitution of the kingdom of God is the Bible. And so when the devil or your own thoughts or some other person or society is promoting different views and different belief systems, the way you can know that those are not, you know, whether they're true or not, is to compare them to the word, the Bible. And so when you know the scripture, then that can, and you know that that's the truth. That's the word of God. And that word of God is more powerful than any other thing. And that can keep you strong. If you're, if you're tempted and you have a desire to do something that you know is sinful, the world will tell you that's just how you are. That's just who you are. Go do it. Don't deny yourself. Don't, you know, be who you are. Don't be repressed. Let yourself go. And the scripture tells you no temptation has come upon you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful and won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. So God tells you, you will never encounter a temptation that you can't get overcome. He says, he'll always make a way of escape. And when you know that truth, then you can say, I don't have to do this. If my temptation was to go out and get drunk, or my temptation was to go out and use drugs, and my body is telling me I can't help myself, and my mind is telling me I can't help it, I need this, and then society's telling me, man, go ahead and do it. Why not? What's the problem? That's just who you are. But God telling me, no, you can overcome. I wouldn't allow you to be tempted if you couldn't overcome that temptation. You know, and then Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily and deny yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's totally contrary to what this society is telling us. So those are ways when you study the scripture and you memorize scripture, then you can recall it when your time of temptation comes. But if you don't know the scripture and you don't memorize it, when you get tempted, you, one, won't even know whether that temptation is true or false. But two, you won't know that you can overcome it if you don't know the scripture. So that's that's something else I'd say. No, yeah, that's... The advice I give for believers. I appreciate that. No, I, I, I think that's spot on. And I think as a, as a society, we're, we're moving away from, from a scripture-based approach or, or really getting into the Bible and... Um, yeah, I, I think as you mentioned, it's just the spectator, the spectator view of Christianity. But it, you, you gotta, I, I think you know, as you mentioned, you gotta carry your own cross. You gotta bear, you gotta bear your own cross, and with that comes responsibilities and, and doing and, and reading scripture. And 
holding yourself accountable to prayer and having this, and I think it comes back to this, this overall desire and this hunger, right? I mean, you, you have to have this hunger to be a follower of Christ and to, and, and to also have this conviction, which I think is a step farther than belief. I think conviction is something where, you know, you know that this is, this is what you have to do and, and therefore yes. you're going to take the steps and bear any sacrifices that come with it. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. That's a good word. So I, I think I, I know we're closing in on time. So I um I want to want to be respectful of your time here, and um I guess just to to close out, I, I wanted to know um just any other advice you have for for people who are looking to get started or and learn more about Jesus, or um and then sorry, and then also um just where people can find you as well if they wanna if they do wanna just tune into what you're up to and and and, and follow you. Okay, okay. Um, I would just say that, uh, you know, this is, as you mentioned, this is a time in our society where uh, people are getting further and further away from uh, Judeo-Christian beliefs and values. Everything's being challenged mm. nowadays. And uh, most people go with the flow of society. That's why culture and society is very important. Um, because most people will go with the tide. Very few people are strong enough to stand against the tide and go the opposite way. Even quote-unquote good people. And even some people that call themselves Christians. Um, an example is, I mean, this country's terrible history of race racism and slavery and mm -hmm. discrimination and all that. If you go back to that time up to into the early 1960s, you will see that people that were considered good, upstanding citizens, church-going people, they went with the flow. And people who were considered good, upstanding citizens were blatant racists. You know, mm, I mean, abhorrent racists. You can look in, at, at films or pictures of when they were integrating schools in the South and look at the people that were speaking against as, the, as black students would be led into these white schools to integrate them. Look at the crowd. It was, it was old, it were women, old women, young women, men, who were considered good, upstanding citizens, who thought of themselves as Christians. And they, instead of doing what the Bible said, which is love your neighbor as yourself, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you, they went with the flow of society, which was racist at that time. You know, and you look at pictures of when blacks were lynched, Look at the people that are standing there posing next to the person that's been hung and lynched as if they have a fish. It's a trout or something that they just caught. These people were considered good, upstanding citizens. And they went with the flow. And my point is that if, if people back then, and there were some, but if people back then had said, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm not going to treat my fellow man 
this way or negatively or think I'm superior to him, then we wouldn't have the racial history that we had in this country and we wouldn't have the racial problems that we still have in this country. I use that as an example of how if people do not stand on God's word, you call yourself a Christian, you go to church, whatever. If you don't stand on God's word and make that your law above everything else, that's your standard above everything else, then you will get caught up in going with the flow. And you see the flow of the way this country is going. Not good. And a, a, now a lot of people will get caught up into that. Even a lot of people that think of themselves as Christians are getting caught up and will get caught up into that unless they stand on God's word. And where that flow will lead you is not a good place. <laughs> yeah. So I would say it is very important for us today to stand on God's word and follow it to the best that we can. As far as where people can find me, on uh, Twitter, I'm Chris underscore Broussard. Um, Facebook, I'm on Facebook. Uh, as I, if anybody wants me to speak at their church, I speak at a lot of churches and colleges throughout the country. Uh, Chris Broussard Speaks dot com chris broussard speaks dot com you can go there and then you know there's a place you can put in a request for me to speak uh and then for the king movement is kingmovement.com kingmovement.com you can uh follow us we have a king movement has a twitter page uh you can visit the website i would encourage anybody to visit the website to join our community. Uh, that's just the internet community. It's no obligation, no cost, nothing like that. But you can join the community. Uh, if you want to email the King Movement with questions, you can email us at king at kingmovement.com, king at kingmovement.com. Uh, and again, April 5th through the 8th, or, or really the 6th and 7th of April, We'll be having the fourth annual King National Summit in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, we would love for anyone who's out there listening uh, to come and join us in Memphis uh, in April. Awesome. Those are uh, those are plentiful, bound, you know, bounty of different uh, different ways to, to follow you and to follow just different things that, that God is putting in your life right now. And um, that's awesome. I, I you know, I'm sure a lot of folks will take advantage of that. So thanks for providing uh, all those different places as well. Um, and then just just to close out, I just want to, if there's anything else you want to mention, um, that would be awesome. And then just to clo close us out in prayer to, to conclude. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll close out um, now. Perfect. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for the many blessings that you've given us. Ones we're aware of and ones that we take for granted, Heavenly Father, but we just pray that uh, you would uh, continue to strengthen us and help us to follow your path and also to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us of our unrighteousness, Lord. And uh, I pray for this podcast, guys like us, that it will reach people and that it would touch people, uh, that it, and it will embolden and strengthen and build up people uh, to be 
the men and women that you have called them to be. I pray for the leaders of the podcast that you would strengthen them in their walks and their faith. Give them the courage and the discipline and the wisdom uh, to live out their faith in victory uh, and the deliverance from any challenges, any struggles, that any doubts that it, we are having. Just pray that you would deliver us and give us victory in those areas of our lives. Uh, and, I, and we just pray, Lord, even for the church, the body of Christ uh, in America, that we would begin to come together and unify across racial, denominational, generational, and political lines, that uh, we could unify around a kingdom agenda, a biblical agenda. You said in your word, John 17, that when we are one, as the Father and the Son are one, then that's when the world will believe that you sent Jesus Christ. And so if the body of Christ can truly unify, truly see each other as brothers and sisters, as a family, across all these different divisional lines that keep us separated, that's where we'll begin to impact and begin to be a real light and witness to this world and to this country. And so we just pray that we would do our parts and helping to bring that about and that you would move on the hearts of other Christians and Christian leaders uh, that we all might come together in Christ. We love you, Lord. We praise you and we honor you and thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.